Thermal burns. Thermal burns are skin injuries caused by excessive heat, typically from contact with hot surfaces, hot liquid, steam, or flame. Most burns are minor and can be treated as outpatients at a local hospital. Approximately 6.5% of burn patients receive treatment in specialized burn centers. The decision to transfer and, and treat them at burn centers is based on the extent of body surface area burn, the depth of the burns, and the individual patient characteristics such as age or other injuries or other medical problems. Burns occurring in the home account for 25% of all serious burns. Etiology. Thermal burns are the most common type of burns, making up 86% of burn patients requiring burn center admission. Burns often result from hot liquid, steam, flame, or flash, and electrical injury. Risk factors for thermal burns include young age, male gender, lack of smoke detectors in the home. When immersion scald burns are present, one should always suspect child abuse by the parent or caretaker. Pathophysiology. The skin is the largest organ of the body, making up 16% of the patient's weight. The main skin functions are regulate protection infection from infection, temperature changes, physical forces, chemicals, etc. Body temperature regulation, preventing fluid loss, and cosmetic identity. Two primary layers comprise the skin, the thinner outer layer called the epidermis and the deeper, thicker layer called the dermis. There are various other structures within the skin like hair follicles, sebaceous glands, sweat glands, capillaries, and nerve endings. Thermal burns cause both local injuries and, if severe, greater than 20% of body surface area, a systemic response. The local injuries can be roughly separated into three zones of injury analogous to a circular target pattern. The innermost injury is the zone of coagulation or ne necrosis, representing the area of irreversible cell death. Surrounding this is the zone of ischemia or stasis, representing an area of decreased circulation and an area of increased risk of progression to necrosis due to hypoperfusion or infection. The outermost layer is a zone of hyperemia, representing an area of, of reversible vasodilation and an area that usually returns to normal. In clinical practice, burns are dynamic injuries that may progress over hours to days, making it difficult to accurately determine the various zones during the early course of injury. Large burns greater than 20% of body surface area also cause systemic res response from the release of inflammatory and vasoactive mediators. Fluid loss locally at the burn site Fluid shifts systematically plus decreased cardiac output and increased vascular resistance can all lead to marked hypovolemia and hypoperfusion called burn shock. Most burns are small and classify as minor burns with primary symptom being pain. These burns will only need local burn wound care and pain control. If the patient has extensive and deep burns, then they were classified as more severe burns and couldn't be approached like any other trauma patient. If the patient does not have severe burns, then the history and physical examination can proceed as usual. Key parts of the history to include are the type of burn, thermal, electrical, chemical radiation, the possibility of associated inhalation injury, and the possibility of other injuries. During the physical exam, special attention should be placed on the airway and breathing, looking for oral burns, facial burns, soot in the nose and mouth, coughing, wheezing, labored breathing, also look for signs of other injury other than burns. Finally, the burns are the focus of the skin exam. The key features to assess are the extent of the burns expressed as a percent of total body surface area and the depth of the burns expressed as superficial or first degree, partial thickness or second degree, or full thickness, third degree. If the burn injury only involves the epidermis, it is classified as a superficial or first degree burn and does not cause any significant impairment of normal skin function. If the injury extends into the dermis, it classifies as a partial thickness or second degree burn. 
Partial thickness burns may disrupt skin functions as protection from infection, thermal regulation, prevention of fluid loss, and sensation. If the injury extends through both layers, this is a full thickness or third degree burn. And normal skin functions are lost. Superficial or first degree burns are warm, painful, red, soft, usually do not blister, and will blanch when touched. A typical example is a sunburn. Partial thickness or second degree burns can be very can vary but are very painful, red blisters, moist, soft, and will blanch when touched. Examples include burns from hot surfaces, hot liquids, flames. Full thickness, third degree burns will have little or no pain, can be white, brown, or charred, and feel firm and leathery when touched and will not blanch. Examples include burns from flames, hot oils, or superheated steam. The American Burn Association's criteria can help differentiate burns as minor, moderate, or severe based on the extent of skin injured, the depth of the burns, age of the patient, associated medical conditions, associated injuries such as smoke inhalation or other trauma or burns involving particular areas of the body such as hands, feet, face, ears, nose, or genitalia. Burn size quantification is essential when making decisions about treatment and admission, and the rule of nines is often used. For adults, 9% of the body surface area to the head and neck, 9% for each extremity, upper extremity, 18% for the anterior and posterior trunk, 18% for each lower extremity, 1% to the perineum. Patient's palm represents about 1% of the total body surface area. Also, burn injury can subdivide into partial and full thickness injury. Major burn injury. More than 25% of total body surface area in adults or 20% in children. Full thickness burns involving more than 10% of the total body surface area. Where there is a burn to the face, perineum, or, ex or extremities. There is significant cosmetic impairment. These injuries are best managed at a burn center. Moderate burn injury. Partial thickness burn between 15 to 20% total body surface area in adults, 10 to 15% in children, or a full thickness burn involving 2 to 10% total body surface area. Minimal threat to face or perineum. The, threat, the risk of cosmetic impairment is not severe. These patients need admission but do not always require referral to a burn center. Minor burn injury. Burns that involve less than 15% of total body surface area in adults and less than 10% in children. No threat of functional or cosmetic loss. Face or perineum not involved. These burns receive outpatient management. Treatment or management. Burn treatment begins at the site of the injury. EMS should assess for inhalation injury by looking for singed nasal hairs, burns in, to, on the nasal and mouth area, and respiratory distress and sooty sputum. Patients in respiratory distress should be intubated at the site. The patient should have IV started with IVs with, with fluids, especially in adults. In children, accessing small veins in dark home can be difficult and transport is recommended. Local cooling can be applied to relieve pain. The first step to immediately stop the burning process is to remove burning and hot items from the skin contact. Superficial burns need little more than over-the-counter pain medication, topical analgesics, or tropical aloe vera. Partial thickness burns and full thickness burns are treated with both cleansing, topical antibiotic uh, ointments or occlusive dressings, pain medications, and, and a tetanus booster if needed. Patients with severe burn will require fluid resuscitation, oxygen, cardiac monitoring, nasogastric tube, Foley catheter, IV, pain medication, a, a tetanus booster, and transfer to a burn center. If patients are transferring to a burn center, simply cleaning and covering the burns without topical creams or ointments is all that is usually needed. It is best to contact the burn center for instructions. Inhalation injury must be ruled out in the ED. Inhalation injury can lead to upper airway edema within 12 to 24 hours, and the recommendation is for intubation if there's any doubt. Fiber optic bronchoscopy is possible as, 
as it does provide an accurate way to determine inhalation injury. Following control of the airway, one should perform a vertical incision of the eschar of the chest to prevent limitations of expansion. Levels of carbon dioxide and cyanide need to be measured in patients provided with oxygen. One should suspect cyanide toxicity in the presence of severe metabolic acidosis, normal arterial oxygen, and low carboxyhemoglobin. All burns great larger than 20% body, total body surface area need fluid resuscitation based on the Parkland formula. Crystalloids are preferable to colloids. One should be careful not to overhydrate and cause acute respiratory distress syndrome. Since there is a significant amount of protein loss during the burn, some centers do infuse 5% albumin. A Foley should be inserted for strict assessment of fluid balance. After stabilizing the patient, surgical debridement and grafting are necessary. Nutritional support is critical because of the balance. The basal energy expenditure is high. Early enteral nutrition is the recommendation to prevent bacterial translocation from the gut. The patient's caloric requirement can be estimated using the Carrari formula. Skin discoloration is a common problem after a burn and a source of severe distress. Epidermal grafts are an option, but this is also time-consuming and expensive. Because burns are dynamic injuries, they are always difficult to assess on the initial exam accurately. Patients with burns should be re-examined several days to assess both the extent and depth of the burns.